Hi, Balanced Achievers. Today we have the privilege of sitting down with a true mover and shaker in the Australian startup ecosystem, Ben Pakotich. He's not just a designer and an innovation coach; he's the visionary founder of Dynamic Four, a certified B Corp and social enterprise with a mission to design and innovate for happier communities. Ben resides at the intersection of design, innovation. And well-being, crafting a unique space where positive change takes root. He dedicates his time to coaching leaders and founders, empowering them to solve meaningful problems, create exceptional outcomes for people and the planet, all while achieving financial success and enhancing their well-being. Beyond his impactful work, Ben is the author of "Solve Problems That Matter," a ninety-day program that guides individuals in taking a human-centered approach to design, build, and launch their social enterprise ideas. Today, we delve into the wisdom of a true innovator, a co-founder of the Sydney Design Thinking Meetup. A founding board member of the Social Enterprise Council of New South Wales and Australia Capital Territory, and the driving force behind Dynamic Four Jetpack, an incubator for early stage social enterprise ideas. Join us as we uncover the principles of solving problems in matter, the art of human-centered design, with the incredible Ben Pakotich. So Ben, I I recall that you told me you started your first startup back in the year of nineteen. 19- Ninety three, ninety four. So that's yeah. quite a transition for you, right? Would you like to tell us a bit more about it? All right. So, for broader context, I started my first office job in ninety three when I was seventeen, and I was doing that for about a year, maybe a little bit less, and then accidentally started my first startup.、Um, so, my first startup back then,、uh, and didn't use the language of startups, but it was sort of the, the first thing I did. Uh, it was called Gangster Snowboards, and we designed and made our own snowboards. Wow! So a long time ago, in a whole different context. Yeah, yeah. So、um, I guess Dynamic Four was、uh, founded a few years after that, two thousand and one. Yeah. Yeah. So two thousand and one, I'd.、Um, Just moved to London, and、mm-hmm. so as moved from Sydney to London, and was hanging out looking for something to do, trying to find work, and nothing was sort of coming through. The job market was dead,、mm-hmm. and so rather than sort of rely on recruitment consultants to try and find me something, I thought I'd just go and do my own thing. So、um, started Dynamic Four, and in the earliest days, it was a combination, sort of two parts. So、um, there was the Tech and design and sort of strategy side of things,、mm-hmm. and that was sort of dynamic for technology. And then the second part of it was dynamic for fitness. So、um, at the time, I was a personal trainer teaching Pilates and spin, and、um, doing a lot of mind body training and sort of overall well being. So and doing a lot of work with physios and 
um, yoga practitioners and Tai Chi and uh, physios and cross referring with physios and that kind of thing. So kind of a interesting mix in those early few years of Dynamic 4 of doing um, a whole bunch of strategy design tech stuff and then also doing uh, the fitness side of things. Oh, very nice. Just well-being space as well. That's what, what, uh, that's what we want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, totally. and it was a natural continuation really of sort of the, the well-being side. So um, sport and health and fitness is always uh, from the youngest years. That was always yeah. a core part of my life. Uh -huh. And um, I started sort of bodybuilding uh, when I was about 12, 13, so probably a bit young. Mm -hmm. Um, but through that, experimented with lots of different um, training methods and different regimes of training and, and different approaches. And I think I was really lucky to, when I was about uh, 15, I stumbled across this book called Mind-Body Training, uh, oh. which was actually a way of using um, a program of sort of using weights, but then um, in mindful ways to actually reduce the overall uh, weight that you'd use and think more about um, the duration of the repetition um, and focusing on how the rep actually felt and thinking about the movements. And so it was a very mindful way of actually doing weight training um, mm -hmm. and a, a lot higher focus on uh, mobility and flexibility as well as part of that overall um, sort of approach to weight training. So it was this really interesting mix of starting to head um, not just weights, but also into mindfulness and, and meditation and um, this very, you know, real connection that mind-body is one thing and mm -hmm. ways of actually training them both together. So that was in my mid-teens and then sort of into my, um, you know, that was a natural part of the way I was training and started doing a lot of Pilates and yoga. And mm -hmm. when in 2001, I got my, um, Pilates, started my Pilates qualifications as well. And mm -hmm. um, Dynamic Four's first ever client was actually um, the Players Institute in London. So spent a long time working with the Players Institute, both um, doing all their tech and building and supporting all their uh, tech infrastructure, the website design, uh, lots of strategy stuff, helping sell Pilates instructor courses all over the world, um, and then also teaching Pilates and um, helping set, set up new studios and that kind of thing as well. So. It was this uh, interesting little combination um, of all of the more tech and design side of things, but yeah. then every day it was also practicing Pilates and teaching Pilates to others, and um, it, was, it was a good mix. So that was, uh, and that's why it's Dynamic 4. So the number four um, wow. is basically F-O-R, so Dynamic 4 Tech, Dynamic 4 Fitness were the, yeah. the two different arms, and that's where the the name came from all right that's a story dynamic voice uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first time it's the first time since uh, we got to know each other i learned this <laughs> exactly <laughs> i don't oh. talk about the brand much <laughs> uh, you should talk about it more i reckon <laughs> um so ben i'm very curious about your your early days when you were setting up dynam dynamic four and it sounded like to me it's not something you 
actually plan well ahead that you're going to start this company, but you actually went to London, you were hoping to uh, to find a job and uh, work for another company, but it didn't happen. A dynamic four is a very lucky result of uh, of this change. So I'm super curious Definitely. about this transition you had. Um, do you feel like in terms of lifestyle, the way of being, the way of doing your life uh, is 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 a dra- dramatic change for you during those uh, first uh, couple of years? Um, definitely there was a, a change because I was living in a new country and a whole new context and um, running my own business full-time and doing a startup sort of full-time. Um, so obviously not my first startup, but all the way through, um, you know, since starting sort of in a, a professional career, I uh, had this sort of two streams of working um, in banks, in financial services. So my first job in 93 was in financial services at Westpac and that continued all the way through, still work with financial services clients. Uh, so it's almost uh, coming up to 30 years of financial services experience. Um, mm-hmm. So working at that really large, complex organisation size structure, generally, at least in relative terms, massive number of resources <laughs> available, um, very different to startups and, and smaller businesses. Mm. Um, so that was sort of a, a consistent theme all the way through and still is. And then, you know, doing my own startup and running my own businesses, um, that was something that had always sort of been ticking along on the side and um, it was a natural part. And, and I also grew up, my dad's a bricklayer, um, self-employed, so that's what a working for yourself looks like um, or a small business sort of context and the realities of that, <laughs> which are not glamorous, all the things it takes to keep the lights on and um, find work, build work. And, you know, often that is actually um, takes up more headspace than actually doing the work itself. Uh, and that's that's one of the, the key things that I've always found the trickiest thing about startups and and small businesses it'd be great just to have the work there and you just sort of crank away and and do the thing that you love doing but it's working out especially moving into a a new environment like um moving to a new city Mm -hmm. um now having to work out how do we actually go and find clients and win work start delivering it set up all the business processes to then be able to um, keep the lights on and, and do all the things and, and start growing a business. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not just a change of actually transitioning from a career perspective, but also in a new place, you know, where you don't have your existing networks. So that kind and, of yeah, all right. And and even from a career perspective, um, it was doing different things in a slightly different context. But all all the way through my career, I've always been know and and life curious about everything and so and sort of get involved in everything and even um in a corporate context first eight years so um 93 to 2001 working in banks other than my first job every other job i created for myself within a bank so i sort of already had that entrepreneurial spirit of We'll go go make a job and find someone that will fund it and pay for it and yeah. um, give me the freedom to actually go and build teams and, and make stuff happen. So that's um, kind of diverse way of looking at things, being curious, having a broad mix of skill sets rather than just being in a, a nice narrow lane, which uh, is how our education system and, and job design is normally set up. 
I sort of broke that model from the age of 18 and just went exploring and um, somehow got away with it, even in big banks. Um, so running my own business and, and doing my own startups over the years has actually been sort of a natural progression of that and and even more freedom to then be able to bring together different things I'm interested in um, so I can actually bring them together. And in most cases, I find there's actually huge value in not just being a specialist in one area deep, but actually being able to find, especially when it comes to design, mm -hmm. having a broad perspective and a broad, broad set of interests and skills, because then you find patterns across the larger horizon rather than it all just being siloed and focused in in little verticals that are traditional. So especially when creativity, innovation and the design process, being able to find patterns and bring seemingly unconnected things together, um, that's a key part of good design and doing that in a very human-centered way. So um, from my earliest days in, in the bank, actually working out who are the people in the mix, what do they care about, how do I, I don't know enough, I didn't go to uni, I'm not an expert in a whole bunch of these things. How do I actually go find the people who do know about these things and find out about them as humans and as people and really build that empathy and then let the the design and the solutions flow from there as opposed to me coming in as like this expert who's just going to go and sort it out, which is not reality. Uh, yeah. So being able to, that way of sort of being made the transition to the point that I didn't even really think of it as a transition. It was just a, a natural progression of, I went looking for a job in a bank in London, no jobs in banks. I'll just go do my own thing. And I, I've got my personal trainer, training quals, so I can just go get a job in a gym, get a job in a bar. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's, it was just a natural way of working through things and adapting as opposed to like seeing it and treating it as this big transitional life change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a very wise approach. Um, I'm also curious, Ben, you know, when you think about even back in the days when you started your first business, you know, selling snowboard, perhaps as well as the first uh, few years, the beginning of Dynamic 4, do you feel like it's um, in terms of managing your own well-being, especially when it comes to mental well-being, is, is quite smooth or is it uh, still filled a bit of uh, challenges? I think the context back then, it was um, like with gangster snowboards, um, I already had a job in the bank, so which I was still doing. So gangster yeah. snowboards was on the side. Um, and so there was no additional stress in terms of how am I going to pay the bills this month? Mm. <laughs> My bank salary sorted that out. Um, so there's no financial stress or hardship out of that situation. Uh, there was a bit of juggling things, but... Um, you know, one of the key things as it relates to um, sort of mental health and well-being and, and mental fitness is the when you're doing things that are aligned with your purpose and you're clear on what your purpose is and you're excited about it, then we have a lot higher tolerance for stress and extra work and and we actually thrive on it. Um, when, when we're doing things that aren't aligned with our purpose and that's when the burnout tends to happen and the stress builds up in a negative way. So um, all of my sort of years back then, I was having fun. <laughs> I was just, it was just, you know, almost a hobby. And um, it was a bit different with Dynamic 4 because when I started that, that was about how am I going to pay the bills? <laughs> um, so I got a job in, in the bar, working bar in London, and um, I was doing teaching um, 
Pilates and spin and um, doing some personal training. And so I had a bit of revenue there and then started doing other stuff with the Players Institute as well. Um, there was actually a bit of a, a barter system that I got my Pilates qualifications, all the training uh, for free by giving a discounted rate to do all of the tech and design stuff that I was doing uh, with the Players Institute. So <laughs> there's a good sort of trade-off there. Um, but for a few years, um, well, probably about the first 12 months or so, um, I, well, the first couple of months I was working three or at least three jobs a day. Yeah. So uh, when I first started Dynamic Fours, so it's so working in the bar, working in the gym and working at Players Institute. Um, and that was seven days a week. And I'd normally do all three jobs in any given day. So I was, I was working pretty hard and flogging myself pretty hard for those first two or three months. Um, and that was more, um, one, I knew it was short, short term. It wasn't like a, a long-term play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was important to do some stuff to get the lights, to keep the lights on and have pay the rent. Um, and then being able to step out of that process. So knew that wasn't long-term. Dynamic 4 was already sort of setting up and emerging and then it was a case of how do I now transition and, and create some clear air so I can do more of the what I want to do with Dynamic 4 as opposed to doing these two other jobs, working in the yeah. bar and working in the gym. Mm. And then after a couple of months, sort of let those go and I was able to build up enough uh, revenue and enough um, client base on Dynamic 4 to be able to do that. And so one without it being planned because pretty much none of this has a plan. <laughs> this is all organic and, and just sort of following what was going on and responding and adapting. Um, there wasn't too much strategy or five-year plans or even six-month plans. It was just <laughs> rolling through and having fun um, and working hard as part of that. Um, but then it was really a case of how do I now create enough space and and get enough revenue in that I can just work more like five days a week and not seven days a week and just do one core job, which was Dynamic 4 and bring some of the other pieces in as clients of Dynamic 4. Um, and then over time, then that became how to work even less. So, um, but part of it also helped in that I was uh, working in kind of mindfulness and that was part of what I was helping um, coach and train others and I had my own practice as well. So I was doing Pilates normally multiple times a day. Um, I was working with a lot of other people in and around the mind, body and, and body work sort of um, practices. So I was able to compare notes and learn from them and incorporate things from Tai Chi and yoga and other forms into my teaching of Pilates um, as well as my own practice for um, myself. So I had a natural outlet and and I was sort of immersed in that space of be able to learn a lot from others, apply things to myself, and then also use it in the way I was um, working with others, which is a, a pretty lucky place to be, really. Yeah. Well, that's, that's super interesting. I felt I felt Ben is, is super beneficial, wouldn't you say? Like at a very young age, you were already exposed to the concept and the benefits of mind and body connection. And that... Um, Definitely, in my view, would help during all, a lot of the later years, you know, during your career, all these stressful moments. So I'm very curious, you know, um, when you look at some of your 
we'll still look at you know back in those days we were just enemy uh, <laughs> for uh, of course um, i'm just curious um were there any particular kind of habits or techniques or uh, even learnings from mind and body or maybe it's something you start with developing you know uh, when you are actually building dynamic for for yourself to manage these kind of well-being aspects which one what, what, just curious what helped you the most hmm. i think all of the pieces sort of converge to help um and a lot of it's about mindsets and even if not thinking of it in terms of mindsets and growth mindset but being open and curious um you know for some some of us that's a more of a natural leaning and predisposition for others we need to work at it harder um and so over the years of sort of learned a lot more of the the theory behind things and and the language around it at the time i didn't have any of the theory really not not especially not as it relates to uh more the positive psychology and and the neuroscience in fact a lot of the neuroscience was um not even there yet in the early 2000s a lot of that emerged more during the 2000s um so it was really some of it's just personality and my upbringing and the way i've chosen um to respond to things through my upbringing so a lot of it's mindsets um i was definitely lucky to sort of get exposed to and and directly experience the value of the mind body actually being one thing <laughs> we're one organism and um i think there's plenty of evidence to show that we are all one organism we are all connected we're all interconnected um so that's sort of view of things that um and and a lot of this is sort of mindset but then also a, a perspective and how we see the world and choose to experience it and and choose to respond to the things that happen to us is always going to be things that don't go how we hoped or um directly go against us um and we all face adversity in our own way and some of that is um you know don't want to under undermine trauma and and there's very serious degrees of trauma but mm. in every situation we do get to choose how we respond we we can't necessarily choose what happens to us but we do get to choose how we respond and how we recover from adversity as well and i think that's something that i was able to um sort of a combination of lots of things the curiosity the experiencing mind body the value of that um some of the practices being you know pretty healthy and active um all of these things sort of led to i think a happy set of situations where um things might have been tough but i knew i was going to be okay i knew that i'd built up skills and had recovered from things in the past and i could adapt and handle pretty much any situation even if in at, in the immediate term it might not be going great and things might be a bit tough i already knew that through my life i was able to recover from tough situations and and keep pushing forward and and thrive through that so having a bit of a confidence and that mindsets and actively um building sort of happiness habits and resilience um i think is a key part of it and as a lot of what you know the time period we're talking of sort of the the 90s and early 2000s a lot of the things around mindfulness and mind body connection um and a lot of the things and practices around that were at the time still considered very fringe and in a lot of cases a bit woo and everything else and 
over the, the last 15, 20 years, we've now got this massive body of Western-based science that actually shows the direct health benefits and, and the well-being benefits from all of these things. So non-Western cultures have been practicing these things for a lot longer and have had their own body of evidence. Um, but it's become a lot more acceptable in the in the Western world now, a whole bunch of these different practices and and as direct what's recognized by Western science as direct hard evidence that these practices and, and ways of being and and how we choose to respond and the neuroscience and neuroplasticity around that, even potentially neurogenesis. Um, you know, there's some amazing science um, that now means that and there's a higher level of awareness and education so mm-hmm. i i feel really stoked that like my kids go to school and even from preschool they're learning some basic yoga and meditation um and basic sort of well-being and that's there is a much higher degree of awareness and an actual actual practice around a lot of these things now which was when i was growing up and even in my teens and early 20s that was uh, still considered a bit on the fringe, but I'm glad it's not anymore. Yeah, yeah. But it's fascinating, you know, when you dive into this aspect in depth. Um, you know, the other thing I'm super interested in, Ben, is I'm very curious, you know, when we talk about having these kind of practices into uh, your daily life, it can sometimes consume lots of time, right? Um, I just wonder do you have your own way to work these kind of practices into every day that make it kind of a short snippet and and uh, make sure you still spend time, you know, to connect, but don't spend too much time because your day can be just so crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, it's interesting. There's you could spend all day meditating, but then you're disconnected from everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing gets done. Um, so it is interesting. And everyone's going to have their own version of what fits in their life and what they want from it and what they find works for them or doesn't work for them. Um, and even for myself, I find it a constant experimentation and there'll be periods where I um, do daily seated meditation. There'll be other times when I'm just doing some breath work and there'll be other times when I'm um, doing just more mindful practice and and not sort of having to um, take specific chunks of time out of the day to do some of these practices. Uh, so just the basic mindfulness of um, things like being able to do body scans and and just taking a moment to reflect and, and look in and observe what's happening inside and how the body's feeling and where there's tension, where there isn't how where things might feel warm or a bit chilled or tight you know just doing those basic sort of body scans i literally do that walking down the street and um and some of this is also my pilates training as well i'll sort of check my posture (laughs) and i'll go okay so no my standing nice and tall and drawing up through the crown and my my shoulder blades nice and melted down the back um, and my neutral spine, if I got an engagement of my transverse abdominis and um, the core muscles, um, and then, you know, how's that flowing through the body? What's my gait feel like? Am I walking at an even pace? Um, I've got a very injured uh, and messed up right knee, so that causes me lots of issues and chronic pain. So what's happening in the knee? What's the down chain and up chain 
effect of that as well. Uh, so it's even just doing any and sitting, you know, taking a moment to think about how am I, how am I sitting? Um, and then breath, I find, is the other really simple one. We, we breathe all day, every day. <laughs> when we don't, we die. So breathing happens all the time, but um, it's very easy for us and, and most people do without it um, becoming conscious practice to breathe very shallow and very um, high up in the chest. Mm-hmm. And the effect on the, the nervous system from that uh, tends to be pretty negative. Um, and especially if we then have other stresses coming in, um, you know, our breathing plays a massive role and, and even just um, some a practice I find really useful because um, I do a lot of task switching. So I'm working a lot of thing on a lot of things um, in any given day. Uh, if I'm going to sit down to do some deep work and sort of something I need to concentrate on as a way to switch gears, I quite often just do a couple of minutes breathing or I might do a um, 10 minute meditation um, just as a way to sort of switch gears, calm the nervous system and be able to change the headspace. Um, so there's, there's so many different little practices that don't take any time. If we become more mindful in general, then we tend to have a better chance of spotting. Actually, I could do with a couple of breaths right now. I feel my my shoulders are starting to come up, and or I'm starting to get a bit cloudy headed, and I'm um, I've got noise running around. If I just do take a couple of deep breaths, or maybe do it two minutes of breathing, um, and that tends to clear it straight away. And and the the evidence for how quickly and effectively just a couple of minutes of breathing. Um, the impact of that is really awesome and it doesn't take big chunks out of the day. It's just a case of trying to find a little bit. Some of these practices are really about trying to um, create a bit more space between um, what's happening and, and observing what's happening and give us time and space to then be able to respond rather than just be in a constant reactive cycle um, where our cortisol levels are up, our adrenaline's up and we're in some version of that fight, flight, or freeze um, type response. So that's not healthy, especially not for extended durations. Um, So being able to observe what that looks like for us, what some of our triggers are that will cause us to flick into those states, and then how do we be able to, one, observe that it's happening or happened, and then be able to step out of it. Um, And a great circuit breaker is something as simple as a couple of minutes breathing. Mm, mm, mm. so it's it's a lot of this is about um experimenting with what works for you starting small don't try and turn (laughs) try all these things at once um a really good entry point is just literally two minutes of breathing and just focusing on the breath um and if that's starting to work for you especially if you use it for something like i'm going to start a i'm going to go into a stressful meeting or I need to really focus on this particular piece of work and I now need to just shut things out and change gears, Um, try literally two minutes of breathing. Um, I'm a fan of in through the nose, out through the mouth, um, and more thoracic breathing, which we use in Pilates. Um, But a lot of that doesn't matter as much as it's deep and slow and you're focusing on the breath. There's lots of different breath work techniques um experiment find something that's easy the one that you'll do is better than finding the perfect one so you know 
something that you sort of uh, find interesting or comfortable or valuable, that's more important than getting into a debate about what's the best breathwork technique. Um, Just do what you're most likely to stick to and give that a shot and run an experiment. Do it for a week or two weeks, at least once a day. And if that helps, you'll want to keep doing it. If you find it does nothing, then experiment with something else. Yeah, and it's super, super cool, isn't it? Just how breath can do for our body. It's amazing. And and it's something that gets, you know, again, it's become a bit of a fad over the last, I'd say, five to maybe 10 years, um, a lot of the breath work. Um, but we all breathe every day. And all it takes is a little bit of uh, being conscious and aware and, and mindful of how am I breathing How's it feel in my body? Am I actually getting a full breath or am I only using you know, the very top part of my lungs and and I'm not actually getting down into the deeper parts where we, because when we breathe shallow, which most of us do, I do, um, then we don't oxygenate the rest of the body and, and the brain as as well. And so just being able to get more oxygen, cleaner, flow through, and then the effect on the, the nervous system is massive benefits yeah 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 i'm a big believer in the benefits of uh, using your breath to connect your body and calm yourself down as well um so we are coming to the end of this uh episode already (laughs) we should already schedule for a a second one But uh, I felt like this this piece around breathing is easily the most important information that everyone sees here and listening to this episode takes away, you know. And if you're listening to these guys, um, doesn't matter where you are, you know, observe your breathing. Like how are you breathing right now? Yeah. And once you become aware of the way you are breathing now, then intentionally deepen your breath and see if you can draw the air in either through your nose or through your mouth, doesn't matter, and then calm down, allow this breath to travel all the way down yeah, to your navel point, which is about two or three centimeters below your belly button. So just visualize your drawing this air in, you know, all the way down slowly, deeply, and then allow it to travel all the way out as you exhale. Do it a few times and observe within yourself what difference do you feel, yeah? So I bet you will feel instantly much calmer by doing so. Isn't it, Ben? So this breathing I definitely agree. Very important. <laughs> it's very, and it and it's a life skill. Mm. So and that just flows through to everything. And when you either try it, or yes. if you've already got a practice, if you keep that practice going, and I think rather than trying to change it, it's more about that um, consistency and the compounding effects of that consistency. If I find if I am not if I drop away from that focus or if I am not um, meditating on a regular basis, then things get noisier in my head. I don't have quite the same ability to respond rather than react. Things get caught up and it's very easy to then start losing perspective 
and everything becomes a big deal when actually it's not really. So <laughs> these are practices that really help um, sort of be happier, literally happier, um, and and help with a, um, those happiness habits help with a growth mindset. And that's important for ourselves, but then also the way that we experience the world and how we interact with others and, and their experience of us as well. Um, I think just basic breathing <laughs> makes you a better person and a better person to be around and, and helps with happiness. Oh, absolutely. Now, thank you so much again, Ben, for spending time to share all these wonderful insights with us. I, I feel super, super grateful. Thanks for having me. Great to have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Ben. I really look forward to the next time. <laughs> <Already>. Me too. <laughs> Thanks, baby. <laughs>